All right, everybody, welcome to the Deal Gen Podcast, where we talk to investors, entrepreneurs, and business titans about a wide range of topics and experiences. The Deal Gen Podcast is brought to you by Deal Gen Partners. Deal Gen Partners is the leading deal origination service on the market for private equity buyers. Deal Gen Partners combines their M&A and private equity experience with a proprietary method of multi-channel marketing services that they call the Bird Dog. This unique recipe generates transaction-ready deals at an unmatched pace and increases a private equity fund's chances of closing a deal by up to 10x. Reach out to DealGen Partners before you begin searching for your next investment. All right, everybody, welcome back to the DealGen Podcast. I'm Joe Zanke, your host. Today, I have my guest, Eric Rosenberg, on the show. Eric uh, has become you know, a friend of, of the deal gen, uh, team, and he is in the process of building out his own private equity business. Um, so he's, you know, planning on purchasing a number of different companies over the next few years in, you know, running a true private equity fund, um, with a team that he's built. So we dive into all sorts of things, you know, uh, his background coming from a, a large tech company that ended up, um, you know, having, a little bit of an exit event, uh, he, at least he did personally, into getting into what he's doing today um, and all the different things that he had to think about before he even made his first acquisition. Um, and then all the things, you know, he, he's had to think about, I guess, throughout his entire career, um, you know, leaning on um, gut instinct and, you know, kind of following your dreams and being curious. Uh, I thought it was a great episode. I think it's really insightful. Eric, um, you know, was, was very open and shared a lot of great stuff. So I hope you enjoy. Thanks. Good, good. Well, it's good to have you here. I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, excited to talk to you. I know you got a lot going on. Um, and you know, I think it's really relevant, um, to my audience specifically because, you know, we, we work in private equity, we work with deal makers. Um, you know, you're just launching your, um, fund and you know, your private equity, venture basically. And I want to learn about it. I want to learn, you know, how you got here. Um, and I want my audience to kind of be able to hear some of the story. So I figured we'd start off, you know, maybe discussing, I'll let you take a second here to introduce yourself. And then what I wanted to learn about was, you know, um, secure ticks, your relationship to, you know, um, just being a part of a fast growing, you know, business, uh, being a large part of a fast growing business that inevitably ends up selling and, you know, what that journey was like and how it led you to where you are today. Wow. So we have what, five hours for everything. <laughs> 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 so first of all, th- thank you very much Joe, for, for having me uh, on your podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, quick introduction. The accent for people wondering uh, is from Belgium, born and raised there, study business. Um, when, almost immediately into entrepreneurship and uh, since then have been uh, starting different companies, small business. Uh, always I had uh, a corporate event agency that worked for uh, Fortune 100 companies and, and planned meetings in over 50 countries in the world for 20 years. And 10 years ago, we moved to the U.S. with my family, did some consulting and had the uh, great pleasure of uh, opening the um U.S. and Latin America for a SaaS company for CQTX, uh, which is uh, the leading ticketing platform. But it's a white label, so few people know about it. But uh, 
you have like major uh, customer, the, the largest uh, events in, in soccer in the world are, are uh, managed by uh, the platform, a museum, a stadium, a performing arts center, and uh, uh, many other are using that platform. So uh, basically it was looking at the, the US market, looking at uh, what needs to be adapted. I'll give you a quick example. It sounds obvious, but it's not. Uh, in uh, Europe, if uh, you're talking about uh, the 9 of March, it's not 3 slash 9 like here. It's 9 slash 3. Oh, wow. So you see the implication for software. So looking at <laughs> all the difference, looking at the market, looking at uh, which verticals uh, need to be uh, tackled first, uh, trying to uh, look at the, the most clever way to uh, penetrate the market, which was first build a professional service team. Yep. And uh, I, I'm very proud of the team that uh, I've built here. They're amazing people. Uh, and that's how we uh, were able to tell customer here, uh, you're not going to be served by Europe. You're going to be served by here in the US. And we have all those great clients uh, in Europe. So uh, that's how that's how I, I build the um, the team here. Open different verticals, and a friend of mine owned uh, the entire group. And so uh, after four years, uh, we sit down together and said, "Listen, he he knows me. We know I know him for thirty years. I've never been a corporate guy. I love what I did. Uh, now it's ready to scale, and uh, I believe it needs uh, another uh, direction, another uh, leader, uh, and." Um, so that's that's what uh, I negotiated with him and uh, helped them recruit my successor. And here we are. So the reason also that um, I'm, I'm happy to, to do what I'm doing today is that I've always been an entrepreneur. I like building teams. And uh, I realized going through uh, the acquisition lab of uh, Walker Dibble and, uh, and Chelsea Wood that if, if you look at the market, uh, I don't want to start again uh, from scratch. Right. But I love taking an existing company and see how my networks and my experiences can help grow that company. And you know more than I do that there's a tsunami of baby boomers retiring. Uh, and many people are too small for private equity. And they don't know what to do with their business. The next generation doesn't necessarily want to take over. Uh, and so they're kind of stuck with that. Uh, but not only them. The team that they've built for sometimes 15, 20 years, even more. And that's where I thought that uh, there's an opportunity uh, for me and, and the people uh, that I have the pleasure of being surrounded with uh, to really start acquiring small business under what most private equity are looking at and building uh, those uh, business one at a time, growing those business one at a time. I think it's a fantastic plan. Um, and I think that, you, you know, Here's someone that did their market research, right? All the baby boomers, like you mentioned, are are getting ready to, you know, if they haven't already, um, you know, they're retiring, they're selling off their companies. Um, this, you know, younger generation may not want to own, um, you know, a family-owned business or uh, a you know company that runs business services. Like it could be an incredibly um, well-run plumbing company or HVAC company or mm -hmm. you know something in that nature where. I guess the younger generation may not be as uh, apt to dive into something like that. Uh, but the business is fantastic. And, you know, there's no succession plan other than to sell. And, you know, guys like yourself who are able to, um, you know, put together the right tools and build the right team in order to take advantage of that, um, I think are going to, you know, reap a lot of rewards of, of being able to purchase and, 
you know, cultivate, um, you know, a number of different businesses that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, have been, have been run really successfully for a long time and are just basically trading at this point because the, uh, the founder or the owner, uh, is just ready to retire and Absolutely. it's a good place to step in. So one question for you is obviously you're just getting ready to embark on this journey. Um, I'm sure that, you know, there was a lot of preparation that went into getting to where you are today, which is now looking at companies to actually buy. Um, talk to me about some of the steps and some of the things that you had to think about before you even made an acquisition and, and what, what that looks like. Sure. So first, first and foremost for me is the people. So what type of people do I want to work with? Um, defining the, the values that, uh, I really want to carry, uh, in the company. And if you look at our website, privateoptimizing.com. Uh, under values, you see the first sentence is we have a no ass all policy. <laughs> yeah, I I don't want to. I don't want the drama. I don't want the uh, the um, political uh, fights uh, in the company. I want people that are sharing the same goal, that are totally open to have their colleagues uh, not only give the, giving them critiques but also ideas. Um, because they they know where where we're going and, and what's important, um, and that as well. Just just, just that sentence in, in itself, putting on a website. You know, I have friends who told me, Eric, you know, it's a little uh, it's a little harsh. Uh, are you sure uh, that you want to put that? I said, yeah. Uh, those people who might be offended, good for them. They're not the good match to work with me. Period. They're probably the assholes. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm only kidding. I, I, I'm the asshole of somebody else in the world. It is always like that. So, right, right. Uh, but it's just not the the right uh, the right people that uh, I want to be working with. So the first thing was okay. defining the values and what type of people I want to be working with. The second thing was really thinking about uh, the operational part. So, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm with EO, and uh, there's always th- those two books. One is Scaling Up for Vern Arnish. The other one is uh, Traction from uh, Jenna Wickman. And, and I do believe in processes and I do believe as well that I'm more of a visionary person, a connector, uh, than an operational person on a daily basis. So the question is, what are the key functions? So one is obviously operational. Second one is finance to make sure that everything is transparent, uh, that to make sure that we have the data we need to, to be looking at and, and the, uh, the dashboard. Uh, and so you have a visionary, you have an operational person, you have finance. And for me, uh, and I learned speaking with other people, uh, I would need a fourth person as soon as possible would, would be in charge of culture and people. Mm-hmm. And on that note, I, I thought that I was the one in charge of it. And yes, I'm the one initiating it, if you want, the culture. But if I cannot do everything, so um, it's so important that you need somebody specific to deal with that. So on one hand, what was the ideal structure that I wanted to have, the type of function I wanted to have, and the type of processes that I wanted to to work, including for recruiting people and, and everything. And on the other hand, I've always believed that uh, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I've surrounded myself with um, an amazing group of friends that uh, are advisors. And again, if you go on privateoptimizing.com, you will see under about uh, and under myself and the information, who are those people? And they have experience that I don't have. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they have bought many business over the last 15 years. They've been working in private equity. Uh, they have been working in, in large corporation. So everything that I don't have that I believe it's important to have, because I know myself, I'm very enthusiastic. Uh, and then it's good to have friends who want good for you and would say, hold on, have you thought about this? What about that? So the values, the processes, and the right advisors. And then when I had that, the last step obviously was what type of business do I want to acquire? Right. So I look into uh, service, I look into hospitality, but no catering or restaurant. And I look into professional continued education, um, things that I understand by my experience before and things that I believe that with my networks and experience, I can grow. And now the last uh, step, if you want, is uh, reaching out. That's how we get in touch uh, together. Uh, but it's reaching out to all the people that are, have the connection or, or that are, might be the right person to indicate who is uh, selling their company and, and connecting us. Right, right. Well, no, I mean, you did a tremendous amount of research diligence, you know, going into just internally uh, before you know, you just dove in and saw an opportunity to buy. And I think that's super important because there's always going to be businesses available for sale, you know, and just because you saw one, maybe you probably saw a few, you know, months ago that looked like on the surface, good opportunities, but you knew the team and you knew the the steps that you need to put in, uh, in place before you were actually ready to go out and start looking at these things a little bit harder. And I think that's important to, to note is that like, you know, when it comes to opportunities, if you surround yourself with the right group, you put yourself in the right position. Um, there's never going to be a shortage of them. You know, tomorrow you'll see another deal. And then the next day you'll see another deal. So you can't just go and fall in love with the first thing you see, especially if you're not ready to make that leap. You know, you don't have, because once you dive in and once you start diligence on a, on a business and once you, you know, maybe acquire one, it's a lot harder to put those things in place that you just discussed, you know, build the team around you, find your values, figure out what you're good at. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to try to really have a solid understanding of all those things before you take action. And then once everything's in place, now we're ready to roll. Um, so I think that's a, that was beautifully answered. And, you know, I think that without a lot of value to anybody listening. So now that you've done a lot of that work, you know, we were at a point where you're, you're getting companies to look at, um, What's been the hardest part or the, maybe the most challenging part um, of, you know, kind of finding that first deal? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, the The most challenging part for me right now is uh, time because there's so many deals um, to be looked at that um, it's taking a lot of time. And also I think the challenge was, and that's how we, we uh, adapt the way we're looking at now uh, is that every time that there was something that I thought was interesting, I was immediately asking for numbers, uh, putting the numbers in our Excel sheets and uh, looking at uh, the analysis and getting questioned. And obviously this is very important, but it's not uh, at that stage for me now. Now what I change is looking at speaking with the owner. Uh, and uh, having a conversation with them and understanding their motivation and, and getting a feel for what's happening. I, I give you a concrete example. It's kind of funny. 
two weeks ago was speaking uh, with a business owner. He does between four and six million uh, per year, 45% margin, interesting uh, deal. And we had a 45 minutes conversation. And at the end of it, I said, listen, uh, we had a great contact. So let, let me very be very blunt with you. I say, sure, don't sell your company. You're going to be miserable. It's your life. You don't know what to do afterwards. But most importantly, you don't trust your own people because you still, uh, with your senior salesperson who's there for 20 years, you say that you still need to go on the closing. Uh, hire somebody who's going to do all the processes for you, who's going to help you, uh, just concentrating on what you like doing most. And most importantly, at the end of the day, you are a threat to any acquirer because everything is in your head and all the relationships are with you. Uh, so it's it's you are a big danger to any acquirer. And so he paused, he looked at me and he said, I have a friend in MA last weekend told me exactly the same thing. How much do I owe you? <laughs> so I I think that um and that's who I am as well. It's just telling it the way it is, very, yeah. very frank with people. So the that's the most difficult thing for me. It's to find the business that you know what? Nothing is ever perfect. So everything's right. gonna there's always be something missing. But what is the one that, okay, now there's a good fit uh, with the, the the people in place. There's an interesting business. I understand it. I believe I can grow it with my networks and my experiences. Let's go into it. Yeah, no, I mean, buying a business is different than buying, you know, a, a piece of real estate, right? You know, it's not a, it's not a three-decker home that, you know, it, it doesn't have a, those things don't have personalities. Those things don't have, um, you know, they, they don't manage people. It's just, a, you know, it's a, it's an asset. Um, a business, you know, is a functioning being in its own right. And it, there has to be synergy. You know, I, um, and I talked about this, I, I wrote a post on this, you know, earlier. Yeah. The, the longer I stay in entrepreneurship, you know, which is, this is my probably sixth or seventh year, you know, kind of running my own companies. Um, the more I realize that synergy is probably the most important thing. And that could be synergy between, you know, you and your business partner could be synergy between, you know, your branding and how everything's branded accordingly and how your messaging mm -hmm. is accordingly. And when it's an acquisition, it's definitely got to be synergy between, okay, I'm buying this company. You know, there's got to be synergy between us and yep. we have to be on the same page with what your goals are and what my goals are. And, a lot of the time you have to put yourself in that seller's shoes and say, what's going to make them not only a good candidate, but what, you know, what do I need? Especially if it's a competitive deal, you know, what, what do I, how do, how do I need to differentiate myself as the better, the best buyer for this company uh, to them? And so Absolutely. all that stuff matters just as much as the numbers do. It really does. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I think that you're taking the right approach, especially because, you know, um, numbers and EBITDAs and valuations, you know, it could be a, a roofing company or it could be a, a mortgage company, you know, and if you just look at EBITDA and valuation, you know, they might come out the same on a spreadsheet, like all right, what's this worth and what can I pay? But when you look at what goes into running the business, who are the people, who am I going to be left with? Uh, how much, how big is the market? You know, how much yeah. does the company rely on this person that's selling it, which is what the story that you told. It really tells a much bigger story than just putting stuff into a spreadsheet. Absolutely. And to your point, I think more than ever, I'm totally convinced 
that those who are able to manage team to be fair, tough and fair, but really building teams and, and making sure that people understand that you have their back, uh, that you're there to support that really the, the, the servant leadership uh, concept that we've been talking for years. I believe that today more than ever, it is essential and is what's going to make uh, a huge difference in running businesses, especially with uh, the hybrid model, with people uh, staying a few days at home, mm. uh, with mm. people wanted to change companies uh, every two or three years. If you want to keep people long-term, you need to build a culture so that people are willing to to come. Uh, the best example I, that comes to my mind is what Jesse called it with the uh, Savannah Bananas. Yeah, He has, I don't know, he told me, in, I, I, I have been on my podcast, The Business of Meetings. I believe if I'm, I'm not wrong, that he has 3,000 people on the bench waiting to work for uh, the group <laughs> because of the culture that they've developed. Yeah. What a, le- I mean, that, what a leader that guy is. It's amazing. Yeah. Really is cool. Um, no, I mean, it's a really good point. And I'm, I'm glad we were able to touch on that. And I agree. I agree with you. And I, especially when um, you know, it's so easy to do a first call with this, you know, face to face with anybody right now where you can hop on, you can talk face to face, you can ask them questions, you can get to learn about who they are and what they are. That's a lot easier of a way to decipher, you know, through opportunities, I think, than um, maybe what you were doing at the beginning. And, and that's a good learning lesson for anybody else who's out there, you know, looking to buy companies is that get to know the person that's selling and why and, and what happens if they do. <laughs> pretty quickly. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you do a podcast. Um, why? Why do you do? Why do you do a show? What's the purpose of that? Oh, uh, first it was. Uh, it, it's uh, it's a passion project. Got it. Um, I'm in the generation in Belgium that was with the 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 pirates radio. So uh, having a radio on the FM uh, waves was illegal. And so they, they would broadcast and then the, the, the anchor would say, oh, I see, I hear the police coming down the building. They're going to seize our, uh, uh, our material. We'll start broadcasting again in a few hours. Stay with us. That was that time. I was very close with some of the people in the radio. Always wanted to have a, a talk show. I, I love doing what you're doing and, you know, have a ga- conversation with people. Yep. Um, trying to get to know them and, and bringing uh, value to, to the listeners. And I thought that podcast was the the closest thing to that. And so three years ago, I decided that in the summer of 2020, I was going to uh, launch a podcast. I went to PodFest that my uh, friend Chris Kremitzos is organizing. I met different people. I knew uh, exactly like I'm doing now. So I put the team together and where, who I was going to work with, what would be the process, because I just want to focus on the interview and, and nothing else. And then uh, in March uh, 2020, uh, unfortunately, my father passed away. And two, three weeks uh, later, I reached out to the, that team and said, listen, I need to have my mind busy with something. So um, why don't we launch the podcast uh, in April instead of in the summer? And they were like, uh, okay. And since then, I've been uh, producing one episode every Tuesday. It's called The Business of Meetings. It's mainly for people in the the meetings and event industry, but more specifically for business owners and entrepreneurs. And I have a blast. Uh, so why I'm doing this now? Uh, because I love connecting with people because I believe it's also good for me to remain present in the mind uh, uh, of people. 
and you never know what's going to happen. Well, one of the opportunity that, that came uh, came in this week is because uh, somebody listened to one of the episodes. So you never know. <laughs> I I couldn't agree more with you, man. I um, and that's a that's a beautiful story, and it's I mean um. It, it's one of those things where when I dove into it, it was probably the same time, uh, like March, April of 2020 was the first time I started doing shows. And this is my second podcast. So I actually did up, you know, like a hundred and a hundred plus episodes with a different podcast, uh, when I owned my other business and I, um, you know, I started doing, it. I didn't really know what was going to come of it. You know, I thought it was just like, all right, I'll make some content and, and put some stuff out on LinkedIn and you know, it'll be, it'd be good. And then I realized, you know, how much value not only can it add to potentially your business, right? You get to go meet a lot of people. And and if you target who you want to have on the show the right way, you know, you you get to meet some really influential people that maybe are doing what you want to do or doing what you're trying to do. And you could do business together, but you also just need to have like very genuine conversations with, um, with folks that, you know, you, you're not going to do that on a sales call. How often are you going to do that? You know, the first time you meet somebody outside of a podcast, you know, but exactly in this world, you get to meet somebody face to face. And then five seconds later, you know, you get to start talking about them and, and, un, you know, peeling off the layers of the onion and really getting deep. And, uh, it's cool. And I've had a lot of really great conversations. I've met a lot of really amazing people, um, and people that not only have done business with, but, you know, I <clears throat> met a woman who, um, you know, she's a, she's more of like a life coach, um, business coach, life coach. And when I was in the process of exiting my first company, you know, I, I ended up kind of working with her to, um, I met her on the show. We never knew each other. She doesn't even live anywhere near me, you know, um, and we met on the show and she, you know, kind of helped me and guided me through that first transaction and, and made me feel comfortable about, you know, Hey, this is what you want to do. And this is what you, you should do. And, you know, it's just beautiful. And, you know, I never, I never would have uh, met a person like that outside of if I didn't, you know, start doing this. So I completely, uh, you know, agree with you on, on the reason why to do it. And, you know, I keep doing it even today just because of those same things, right? You get to know people a little bit more. It's just good for, for every form of business. I think that, you know, some people use Twitter and LinkedIn and, you know, other people join communities. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd encourage anybody to, you know, find what you kind of like to do when it comes to making content um, or interacting with others and just do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. And, and my version of that is podcasting. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. <clears throat> so I got a couple, you know, kind of more outside the box questions. Um, you know, you're somebody who um, has had, you know, a, different careers, uh, you know, gone through different journeys you know, what's, um, and this doesn't have to be, you know, a long winded answer, but you know, you think back to what, what's some advice that you would give your, you know, 22 year old self, right. You know, you're about to enter the kind of the working world and, and, you know, see, um, see what's out there and get a taste of where you want to go. And, uh, you know, looking back in your career now, what's something that you'd, you'd tell yourself if you could go back at 22? That's a, that's a very good question. Um, I, I would definitely say stay curious and uh, follow your guts. Not really your dreams, follow your guts first. Oh, I like that. And the, the main decision that uh, I've taken, uh, I like to ask the opinion of uh, many different people, 
read a lot, and then decide for myself what is it I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And transitioning from my first uh, real job, if you want, where I developed the marketing department of a stockbroker company and went into afterwards into a incentive house. Um, everybody was telling me at that time, oh, with your degree, well, that's what you want to be doing. I said, sure. Um, the issue is that the more, that's what I'm telling my daughters, the more you rely, or the more you are concerned about others, other people's opinion, the less you're going to do what you want to be doing. Yeah. It's, and it's you so have true. to be, be respectful of everybody, but it's their life. It's not yours. So from the moment that you believe in something, just go for it. And especially at 22 years old, if you ask me what I would tell at 22, who cares what's going to happen afterwards? You're 22. You have all the life in front of you. So try it. You'll learn something. And then if you don't like it, you move on, on something else. But just don't wait uh, or don't be concerned with what people are going to think uh, about the the career you're making or not. It's, the, it's their choice. It's their life. And it's your life that, that you're managing. Uh, yeah, it's it couldn't be more true, you know, and everybody is people are going to talk no matter what you do. Right. And you said something interesting earlier yep. when I said, no, oh, they're the assholes. You're like, well, I'm, you know, someone thinks I'm an asshole. So it's just, it doesn't matter, you know, um, what their opinion is. It doesn't matter. You know, obviously you go about trying to be the best person you can and treat people with respect, yeah. but they're yes. going to, they're going to talk no matter what, you know, you could be, you know, multi, multi-millionaire killing it in every, in every part of your life to the outside. Um, you know, and they're going to have good or bad things to say about you. And you look at it, I mean, a perfect example is, you know, some of these professional athletes, right. That, you know, they're these public figures that, you know, they make a lot of money and, but at the end of the day, they get criticized constantly by everybody, you know, uh, on the, all the fans, you know, all the haters, um, they could be good, bad, and different, you know, and, and people are always going to talk. So I think that, you know, I completely agree, you know, listening to your gut, listening to the feeling that you have and going for something. And another thing too, is like, especially at that age, you know, a lot of people want things to happen so fast. And, Mm. you know, I remember, um, with my first company, you know, um, we were all, when we started this company, we were all 23 and, you know, we, throughout doing it, you know, there'd be different periods of times, different conversations we've had that, you know, revolved around, well, I wish we started doing this, like, you know, we'd come up with a new process or we'd come up with a new, you know, product to sell. And it was like, oh, I wish we started doing this before. Like, oh, imagine if we didn't waste all that time, um, you know, with the other thing that we were doing. And I always, or, you know, and, and even with me, in some instances, you know, I sold that business at a young age and, um, you know, it probably wasn't, completely maximized, but I got to a point where I I had to listen to my gut and it was time for me to exit. And Mm -hmm. I don't look at any of that as a waste of time. You know, that wasn't a waste of time, especially when you're that age. Um, it was just all a learning experience. It was all, you know, if your goal is to be successful and, you know, make the amount of money that you want to make, if you get into the right opportunities and use your experiences the right way, you know, that can happen fairly quickly. You don't need 50 years to accumulate, you know, a little bit of money, but you do need to get, you know, you do need to be able to see the world through, you know, your own eyes and go out there and experience things and go out there and try things and go out there and learn 
not only what are good things to do and bad things to do, but what do I like to do and what am I good at? And I think the only really way to do that is to, like you said, listen to your gut and go for it. Absolutely. Last question. Um, simple question. What's something that you've bought recently for less than a hundred dollars that has added a lot of value to your life? Hmm. I want to say books. Yeah. Cause I'm reading a lot and, uh, the 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 two last one I've read one is uh, buy back your time from Dan Martell. The thing is, uh, it brings a lot of uh, good insights on how to be even more productive and and focus on what you do best. And the coaching habit from uh, Michael Bungestenier, who's uh, absolutely amazing, and seven questions to to ask um, that you can apply in your professional or private life. Nice, um, yeah. Nice. Books, uh, it's definitely. Uh, I love reading, so good. Good. No, I mean, yeah, books, it's interesting too. Nowadays you can get them in all shapes and sizes. Um, you know, you can get the physical hardcover or soft cover. You yeah. can get the audio book. Uh, you can buy it on a Kindle, but you know, typically, you know, a hundred dollars can go a long way when it comes to books too. So that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Well, look, Thank you. Eric, I really appreciate you coming on here and, you know, sharing your story, um, and you know, genuine insightfulness. Um, and answering my questions. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> very much a, for inviting me. And, uh, you know, if, if people want to learn more about what you're doing right now or they want to listen to your podcast, how can they do that? So uh, thanks for asking that. So they, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Eric with a C and Rosenberg, uh, R-O-Z-E-N-B-E-R-G. The podcast is called The Business of Meetings. Uh, it's on every uh, podcast platform. And uh, if they want to look at uh, doing business with me and uh, selling me uh, their business, uh, besides going with you, of course, <laughs> uh, it's uh, privateoptimizing.com. And my email is eric at privateoptimizing.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, my friend. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Joe. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks.